Hello, and welcome to the Alchemy of Art podcast with your host, Addie Hirschton. Join us as we share folk tales and true stories about artists and the creative process. The quote of the day. All instruction is but a finger pointing to the moon. And those whose gaze is fixed upon the finger will never see beyond. That was by the Buddha. Hello, everyone. My name is Adi Hirschton. I'm a contemporary impressionist painter, teacher with the Indianapolis Art Center, author and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories about art and artists to inspire you and help you move forward. Today's podcast features an interview with the artist and teacher Dan Pfeiffer and the story of the fisherman and his music. Um, one quick announcement. Every November, I give away an original painting in the Thanksgiving giveaway. Yes, an original painting. And this year's painting is called A Bouquet in a London Cafe. It depicts a vase of flowers with a central pink rose. And if you'd like to put your name in the hat to potentially win that painting or others in future years, you want to go to my website, azirefineart.com, and sign up for my monthly newsletter, and that will put your name in the hat. Good luck, everyone. Now, without further ado, here's my interview with Dan Pfeiffer. Dan Pfeiffer is a multidisciplinary artist who has a passion for capturing unnoticed beauty, exploring alternative processes, and finding ways to get the public engaged in the artistic process. He began teaching photography 10 years ago and has been instructing artists of all ages in a variety of mediums for the past decade. From teaching other experienced photographers alternative processes, such as emulsion lifts, to instructing young children how to create stop-motion animations, he's been inspiring others to explore their creativity and become artists themselves. He graduated with a degree in photography and related media from Purdue University in 2006. He minored in religious studies and mathematics, both of which inform elements of his photographic projects. In 2013, he was commissioned to design a mural for the Indianapolis Art Center. He created a six-panel mural examining the steps of the artistic process through iconic Hoosier art. The community helped to paint the mural, which has been on display in Artsbach at the Indianapolis Art Center. Currently, he teaches courses at the Indianapolis Art Center, including art reach, digital arts, mixed media, and alternative processes. You can view Dan's work at www.obscuralucidia.org. That's O-B-S-C-U-R-A-L-U-C-I-D-A.org. I met Dan while working together as instructors for the Art Reach Department of the Indianapolis Art Center, and have always found him to be an uplifting artist with a plethora of ideas to share. So, welcome, Dan. Thanks, Addie. It's a pleasure to be here and to be invited into your home and studio space. Awesome. First question, what is the story of how you became an artist and a teacher? So... 
the story of becoming an artist, uh, I guess, was something I had always wanted to do. When I was younger, I didn't really have the confidence in my drawing or painting skills. So when I was in high school, I took a photography class and really appreciated, um, I guess, the removal of my hands from the artistic process. I was still able to create wonderful images. I was still able to express myself, but I wasn't worried about my shaky lines or um, not making something look realistic. Um, and then as an instructor or as a teacher, um, since I was young, I was a camper and that turned into becoming a camp counselor and an after-school counselor. And eventually both of those roads kind of collided um, at the art center where I was able to take my um, experience working with kids and my love of art and kind of mush them together to teach art to kids. Mm. So what do you say most often to your students? <laughs> um, what I say most often is actually a response to what they say. Uh, the, the thing I hear the most is I can't. So what I say the most often is yes, you can. Everything I present to my kids is something that they are capable of and that they can do on their own. And when someone asks me to draw them a cat or a dog, I tell them that they can do it and I provide guidance to show them how, you know, what shapes do they need to do, uh, where should they start, but ultimately they can do it and uh, that's something that I feel is very important. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, one of the things I say a lot is, if I can do this, you can do this. <laughs> and um, I love it. I think we have a, we have this notion of arts artists being these geniuses and they're not really human and they but I think the best artists are, are ones who are capturing our humanity and anybody can do it it's just a matter of learning the skills so yeah I'm I'm right with you with that yeah yeah um and when I was growing up my father who he can draw really well he can paint amazing and growing up in that shadow is kind of what kept me from really exploring it at an early age. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm presenting to the students, I want them to feel confident that it doesn't have to look realistic, but at least right. they're pursuing, at least they're expressing themselves and they are experiencing what I think is the joy of art. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And while I can get into the fun of trying the, the, mm, the challenge of making things realistic, it's also that's only one reason to make art. You know, there's so many other reasons. Do you have any other thoughts on that? Or? Um, in teaching, I've realized kids enjoy the uh, non-objective artwork. When I present Jackson Pollock, kids love it. And he does have a valid viewpoint in, in the art realm, even though he's not painting a perfect flower or the best landscape. It is still a point of view that's valid in the art world. Mm. So I love the collaborative projects that you've coordinated with your students. Can you tell us how you've coordinated them and how you came up with those ideas? That's a tough one. Um, I, I've come to understand that my brain works a little bit differently. And I... <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> I do enjoy it um, most of the time. Um, but one of the things that I'm able to do is uh, make 
I guess, random associations okay. and draw these different disparate things together. Mm -hmm. And so coming up with those collaborative projects is really exciting for me. Um, but one of the things I always try to do is make sure the participants have some voice or influence or impact on the overall creation, whether that's part of the decision-making process or them drawing their own something as part of a larger scale uh, work, um, they still get to voice their artistic opinion um, in the whole collaborative thing together. Mm -hmm. Can you describe maybe your favorite collaborative piece that you've done and how it went together and so that people can envision what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, uh, so far, um, my favorite one is the one that we actually did in ArtReach together with um, some cyanotype photograms. And that was, again, where in my brain I knew that there was this supply, this uh, cool tool, the uh, nature print papers that are photo... Um, sensitive and can be used in sunlight and my background with photography I knew about photograms and um, trying to coordinate and let and try I guess bring together all the different art reach sites and all these different students who are experiencing the same thing across Indianapolis and in their own individual schools I thought was really important and really exciting um, so that's probably my favorite one so far, just because of its uh, broad uh, scope. Mm. So what advice would you give to your younger artist self? He laughs. <laughs> yeah, this, this is really funny because I don't think I would take advice from my older self as, a, <laughs> as my younger self. I, so trying to think of what could I say that I would actually listen to, I just... I, I have to laugh. I would like to have encouraged myself to explore more earlier, um, get into different art forms, experience different techniques and styles at an earlier age. Um, since I've been working at the Art Center, I've been able to take classes uh, more uh, easily, and I've just started getting into printmaking, which I love now. And if I had gotten into that in college, I would have been, you know, many, many years ahead. Um, I also am now in my second wheel throwing class for ceramics and have realized I can actually do it. It's something with my hands that I can actually do. And I think having the machine of the wheel helps. But that's another one, like, if I had done that in college, I'd be so much further along by now. So just doing more earlier is probably what I would try to tell myself. Thanks. So guess what I'm challenging myself with now, Dan? I am taking a woodworking class, and I'm um, making a coffee table. I learned how to use the table saw and really stretching myself. So, exciting. yeah, it's, it's very exciting to branch out and go into different mediums. I agree. Do you do much 3D work or is this is uh, this new woodworking a uh, new into three-dimensional? Yeah. I, in the past, I've done some clay sculpture stuff, but not much. Okay. And I always like the idea of doing woodworking furniture pieces and even restoration of, you know, sort of the recycling old pieces and making them new. So I'm that's what I want to explore. And I had a fear of the table saw. Okay. So I'm trying to get over my fear and push past it to the 
home stretch. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, all right. Last question. What is your favorite art book or story? So my favorite art book is 3000 Moments by Pascal Campion. And I have been, he's an illustrator who, I think he just moved, but he was out of San Diego for a while. And I've been following on him on Facebook for years now. And every day on Facebook, he posts a digital sketch that he does. And he is able to capture these moments perfectly. He captures the mood and you can almost feel what the people in these illustrations are doing. Um, like a bunch of kids jumping in leaves. Okay. It's, it's just this perfect moment. The kids are like in the air and leaves are flying. And in addition to the subject matter, he plays with color in a way that really brings out the emotion that you're that you would be feeling in that moment that happy joyous just yes this is it type of moment um he's also got some wonderful cityscapes with a nice blue that just gives you that calm subdued sort of night in the city feeling mm. and i just think his work is amazing and uh this book has 3,000 of these illustrations wow. all collected, and I can just spend hours flipping pages and getting lost in each moment. Okay. So can you say the title once again? 3,000 Moments by Pascal Campion. And the book also kind of gives an insight into his process, which um, after looking at his work for so many years, he's definitely influenced my digital work and has pushed me to play with color and to try to bring out that emotion that you really can find in a painting or any mm -hmm. work of art. Yeah. Your printmaking pieces that I love, I mean, they're very, very bright with the color, very uh, super saturated, yes. right? And, um, and I find this interesting. I, I love color. And I have a friend recently who he's been colorblind all his life. And then he posted on Facebook how he got these special glasses where he can go outside and he can now see some colors. And it's probably not what you or I see, but and he was writing about that. And he was, he was happy about it, but then he also felt like, well, but this isn't me. This is not the eyes that I've always been seeing through. And, and he's come to accept his own eyes and his own body through it. It is, is pretty cool. Um, do you have any thoughts about color and, and the emotions of color and how you use it. Yeah, I am very fascinated by color and, and particularly now because when I, I guess, was starting art, it was photography and it was largely black and white photography. Mm. And so color was not something that I focused on or even really thought about. It was mm. all about light and shadow. And in college, I remember of all the photography classes I took, the one that I, I guess, didn't do the best in and probably struggled most in was color. Mm -hmm. And I, the critique that I got was that color wasn't having an impact. It was a secondary thing to composition and content. And it was mm -hmm. just sort of, yes, you took a picture of flowers and flowers have color, but you're not using the color to express anything. So now that I'm older and I've been able to view how other people like Rothko have used color 
and how even Mondrian has used color to really drive the artwork that's played a big part and influence on how I've approached my newest pieces, um, which are the digital illustrations that I do. So I, I'm still exploring it. I definitely know that color can have a, a great impact on how you feel about an artwork. Mm -hmm. uh, when I lived outside of San Francisco, I went to the SF MoMA and they had uh, quite a few Rothko paintings. And I remember there was one um, blue and white and I just stood in front of it and was like instantly calm and focused, which <laughs> I have ADD. So feeling that is very new and different for me. And it was really exciting to just be in front of this massive painting and feel calm. Um, was, so yeah, it was really exciting. Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Dan, for coming and, and talk, chatting with me and thank you. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And now the story of the day. This was written by the Greek author Aesop circa 600 BC. The Fisherman and His Music. Once upon a time, there was a fisherman who preferred playing his flute to catching fish. One day, he devised a plan to play his music and catch fish at the same time. Placing his net on the shore of the lake, he tried to lure the fish to the net with his most elegant playing. He hoped that they would jump out of the water and into his net that was lying on the ground. After a while, he gave up. No fish had fallen for this trick. Put his flute down and throwing his net into the water, he pulled the line in. And much to his surprise, he found that there was a whole school of fish hovering right below the water before him. They had come to listen to his music. Now the fisherman's task was easy. So, my thoughts on this Short little story. So Aesop, the writer of this story, stated that the moral of the tale was good fortune happens when you least expect it. Yeah, and that might be true. Um, but I'd like to add it, and another moral to the tale, especially for artists. Um, other people might be lured into the beauty of what you do if you love it. But you've got to cast your net by asking for their support. They may be listening to you just under the surface of the water. And we all want to support each other. That's why we're here. Okay, so that story, The Fisherman and His Music, and many others are available in my book, The Alchemy of Art Stories for the Classroom. If you love this podcast and want to see it continue, you can support us by going to my website, azirfineart.com, and make a donation on the podcast page. Thanks, everyone. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Addie Hirshton and her work, go to azirfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.